This morning, we're going to spend time with us in the story of Hagar. Now, the backdrop to this, as you guys all know, or you've probably heard at some point, that there was a major figure in the Old Testament by the name of Abraham. And Abraham, God said to him, I'm going to make you a great nation. And their story was one of long-lasting infertility, him and his wife, Sarah. And so something happened after years and years of waiting on God's promise. Here's the thing about a promise from God. He is in no hurry. He is in no hurry. And when you feel in a hurry, he is still in no hurry. When you feel urgent and like you're getting too old and if this thing doesn't happen, it's not gonna happen, he's like, no, I can do impossible things. I am not the least bit hurried. And so Sarah, going by Sarai at this point, took the plan of God into her own hands. And she said, I don't think I'm going to conceive. This is what she did. Genesis 16, verse one. Abram's wife, Sarai, had not borne any children for him, but she owned an Egyptian slave named Hagar. Sarai said to Abraham, since the Lord has prevented me from bearing children, go to my slave, perhaps through her, I can build a family. Can you see this getting complicated already? And Abram agreed to what Sarai said. So Abram's wife, Sarai, took Hagar, her Egyptian slave, and gave her to her husband, Abram, as a wife to him. This happened after Abram had lived in the land of Canaan 10 years. He slept with Hagar and she became pregnant. When she saw, when Hagar saw that she was pregnant, her mistress, Sarai, Sarai became contemptible to her. In other words, Hagar began to loathe, to detest this woman who said, I'm gonna build my family through you. You can imagine how she feels. Oh, you're gonna take my baby? I don't think so. Or maybe how she's feeling, this is no choice of my own. What are you doing to me? You can see why the emotions would, would be intense. Then Sarah said to Abraham, you are responsible for my suffering. I put my slave in your arms and when she saw that she was pregnant, I became contemptible to her. May the Lord judge between me and you. Abram replied to Sarai, Orale, your slave is yours, do whatever. I don't care. Do whatever you want with her. Then Sarah mistreated her so much that she ran away from her. The angel of the Lord found her by a spring in the wilderness, the spring on the way to Shur. He said, Hagar, slave of Sarai, where have you come from and where are you going? And she replied, I'm running away from my mistress, Sarai. And this, friends, is... It's God's word. You may be seated. Now, this is a moment in history, really the origin of two distinct, important people groups in the world, the Jewish nation and the Arab nation. There's a lot going on here that we won't unpack today because it's Mother's Day and we are focusing on the moms in the story. And it really is the story of two mothers. In a sense, we're going to spend our time with Hagar today. But you see the desperation of, of Sarai, who becomes Sarah, of, of waiting and waiting. And is this the month? Am I pregnant? I think I might be feeling, maybe so. And year after year after year saying, where is the promise? And then we're going to look at the pain of Hagar, whose life literally was not her own, an Egyptian slave. We're going to build our family through you. That's not cool. Not the least. And one of the things you see in scripture <clears throat> is that God is building and working his plan through the society and the customs that are there, not the society and customs that he may wish 
were there. And so one of the things you have to know, because if you're a thinking person this morning, you're like, these are some nasty people. These are some cruel people. And one of the things you gotta know is that God does good things through people, not because they're good, because he is good. God keeps promises to people, not because they make all the right decisions, but because he will somehow make all things right. That's what he does. And that's why he does it. And so in this culture, this is not just a Genesis chapter 16 thing. It was a fairly common thing for families to address infertility by enlisting someone else and I will just build my family through them. That's how we're gonna get this done. And I wanna touch on that because if you don't see that, very sadly, that's the way it was, And you'll never see, even though scripture displays polygamy, even though scripture displays these things, it never affirms it. And in fact, every time you see a story told in scripture where a man takes another wife and then has a child through this one, it gets messy. Never wish it upon yourself. It is not good. And we're gonna see how just not good it is by looking at what God has to work out and how he has to do it. First point I want to make this morning, though, is simply this. Motherhood is important, wonderful, and it's overwhelming. It's important, wonderful, and overwhelming. Is there anything with less physical strength that can totally change the direction and intensity of your life moment to moment than a baby? And as they grow... That equation just grows. I'm talking with my dad the other day, and my dad says, son, you are really just getting started. You you know, my, my youngest will be in college in eight years or something like that, but even then, it's like, that's a nice start. You are still parenting for the rest of your life. And so, and the degree of effect that a child has on our life is intense, and it stays intense forever because we never stop loving them. We never stop. But mom, do you know, and I hope you'll hear this from me today, in those toughest of moments when they are inconsolable and crying at a 2 a.m. feeding, or when they are inconsolable and crying because they are 23 and they have made devastating decisions, in the best times and the tough times, I hope you know, mom, that you were made for it. You were made for that. I think there's a point in history, certainly, where it's important to affirm, like, hey, women are more than just mothers. There are other dreams, other callings, and there certainly are. But sometimes I feel like our culture is swinging in the other direction where they treat motherhood like that is a big sacrifice that you only need to inflict on yourself after you have fulfilled any other dream that you have in your life because anything is more noble and important than motherhood. That's not true. That's not true at all. You can work in a lot of wonderful ways and have a varied calling in your life where you can make a powerful difference in the world, mom. That is true, and I just wanna tell you how important that is. But also, remember that it is noble, wonderful, and you were called to be the world for these little people who may now have little people of their own. And that that is every bit as special, legitimate, intense, wonderful, invaluable as anything else you could ever choose to do with your life. And so mom, you've got to take yourself seriously and see yourself as valuable because you are not just waiting these years out. You, your life has started. 
you are in the middle of something that only you can do. No one else can pinch hit for you. Not in the way that God intends it to be done. You're valuable. So you look at Hagar, and at the point where we catch up with her, this baby is still in her womb, and her life is already turned upside down. And so she's literally helpless and alone. She has just run into the desert with no plan, no clue where she is going, absolutely no resources, no power of her own. And what I want you to see is that this is really as much of a story about God as it is about Hagar. And so I want you to see how God deals with this woman. And the first thing I want you to know is that God has a plan even when you don't. God has a plan even when you don't. This is absolutely an unplanned pregnancy. Hey, you, you're gonna give me a family. Go sleep with my husband. God, that was not in her plans. God still has a plan for the child. An unexpected pregnancy, if you've been married seven years and, oh, I thought we were done, guess what? God has a plan for that child. A pregnancy that wasn't your choice because of something terrible that was inflicted upon you, never in God's will. But now guess what? God has a plan for that child. Your child is grown up and rebelling, not walking in the ways that you've taught them and you've loved them and prayed for them. God still has a plan for that child. You have a plan for your child's life, all the classes they will take, all the sports they will play. You will do this, you will do this. Guess what? God has a plan for that child that is greater than anything you can dream up for them. So Hagar is here, she's at the spring all alone, and the angel of the Lord says to her, go back to your mistress and submit to her authority. What? Go back to your mistress and submit to her authority. The angel of the Lord says to her, I will greatly multiply your offspring, and they will be too many to count. The angel of the Lord said, you have conceived and will have a son. You will name him Ishmael, and that name, by the way, means God hears. God hears. For the Lord has heard your cry of affliction. This man will be like a wild donkey. It's not really what you want to hear about your child. Some of y'all are like, I have one of those. His hand will be against everyone and everyone's hand will be against him and he will settle near his relatives. Again, lots here historical we could focus on, but today we're focusing on Hagar. And all I want you to know is that you may feel overlooked by others, but you are seen by God. Hagar, who cares about me? Nobody cares that I'm out here. What in the world am I even supposed to do? You may feel like it's said in Isaiah 40, 27, God has lost track of me. Who cares what happens to me? Don't believe everything you think. Don't do it. Mothering years can feel really anonymous because you're putting your energy and your planning and so much of your thoughts into these humans that God has put in your care. You can be so absorbed in these people that you wonder if you're ever gonna get back to any part of your life that was you before them. You can really feel that way. Or sometimes you can put so much of yourself into them and then as they grow, the nature of the relationship changes. It is both the victory and the grief of a parent that when you do your best and do your job well, they don't need you in the same way they once did. It changes a little bit. And that just means that you're doing your best and and you're doing it right. But what do you do in those years where you feel overlooked? Crystal read a book a few years ago that was incredibly impactful to her by a lady named Alicia Cholet. 
And I would just commend this book to any mom. It's called Anonymous, Anonymous. And it's about Jesus's hidden years and what we can learn and what God will do in us in seasons where we feel overlooked and like we're not plugged in with the world around us. And one of the things the author says, she tells this story and I have it quoted here for you. She says, whenever I'm disappointed with my spot in life, I stop and think about the little boy who was trying out for a part in a school play. His mother told me that he'd set his heart on being in it, though she feared he would not be chosen. On the day the parts were awarded, I went with her to collect him after school. The boy rushed up to her, eyes shining with pride and excitement. Guess what, mom, he shouted. And then those words that will remain a lesson to me. I've been chosen to clap and cheer. Guess what, mom? I've been chosen to clap and cheer. And Alicia Sholay said that that stayed with her forever. Because being chosen looks different in different seasons. It just does. It doesn't mean you're any less chosen, though. Whenever you feel invisible, you are just as seen by God. He is just as proud. He is just as present with you in quiet years and invisible years. When the kids are young and when you're an empty nester. Whenever you're at the top of your career or when you feel like the most woefully underpaid CEO in the history of raising kids, God is equally with you in all of those seasons. He just is. And here's one of the things that Hagar finds out. It says, the angel of the Lord found her by a spring in the wilderness. He found her. She felt overlooked. She couldn't find anyone that cared. God found her. And he gives her some answers and some hope for the baby inside her. Not easy answers. Not a guarantee of an easy life from that point forward. But hope. And so he tells her of what he's going to do through, through Ishmael. And at the end of that exchange, Hagar says this, so she, let, she named the Lord who spoke to her, you are El Roy, which is literally translated, God sees me. For she said, in this place, have I actually seen the one that sees me? In this place, have I actually seen the one that sees me? Yes, she had. And I love that. She gave him a name. Who even gets to do that? Who thinks they, she gave him a name? Do you know why? Because in this moment, she realized God just wasn't the God of Abraham. He wasn't just the God that was going to make a great nation of Abraham and Sarah. And she just had to be shoehorned into this part that they wanted her to play. No, she realized at this point that the God, their God, was her God. Have I seen the one who sees me? I've got so many goosebumps right now. Isn't that the deal? Sometimes everybody else seems like they're in a better situation. Everybody else is more blessed than you. How do you know? Because you see it on Instagram. And the mom has gotten home from work, kissed all of her children, worked out, made a smoothie, and then she takes a picture with it and captions it, what's your excuse? And you haven't gotten out of your pajamas. And, yeah. <laughs> and it seems like everybody else is more seen with more money, with better hair, with less weight, with nicer home, with whatever. 
She said, in this place, have I seen the one who sees me? God saw her. What just everyone else's God, he's, he's hers. I'm telling you, mom, he's yours. He sees you. The desire to be seen. Kids ask a lot of questions, right? Is that still a thing? Yes, it is still a thing. Kids ask a lot of questions. Can I have something to drink? Can I have some Oreos? How many? A couple. How many is a couple? How many do you think a couple is? Three or four? No. A couple is two. Can I have three or four? Oh my gosh. (laughs) Can I play with your iPad? Are we there yet? You know, one of the questions you hear most often though, can you look? Do you see me? Did you see it? We all want to be seen. And I found out that a 33-year-old mom wants to be seen just as much as a three-year-old son. An 87-year-old mom whose kids aren't visiting as much as she wished they would after everything she's done still wants to be seen. And I'm just telling you, mom, it applies to everyone, but I'm talking to you, mom. God sees you and he loves you. So Hagar goes back. God says, I want you to go back. Where else would she go? And so God sends her back, and I believe she lived for years off of that word from God. God says, submit to her rudeness, submit to her snark, submit to her, you know, he says, submit to it. So she goes back, and I bet you for years she's living off of that. Okay, he sees me, he sees me. She's giving me the side eye again, God. You see me, and I'm not gonna say anything. And I would just say this, don't doubt in dark, tough years, things that God said to you in the light, the light that he gave you, the things you receive, and this goes for all of us, when you're clear-headed, when you're seeking the Lord or those moments where he breaks through the fog, that's not just meant to be a moment. You can hold on to that forever because God has revealed to you something that's true about himself. And so then there are these transitional years. So Hagar is raising Ishmael. I'm not sure what my relationship is here with this family. Sarah obviously doesn't want me here. Finally, Sarah gets pregnant. And so there's rejoicing there. And they have a big party whenever Isaac is weaned. So two, three years old, something like that, they throw a big banquet. This little man's becoming a little man. Look at him eating his own food, getting teeth, all this kind of stuff. And scripture says that Ishmael was caught mocking Isaac. And can you see the strife in this family? That you're the son and you've been pushed to the side. Hagar doesn't feel wanted. Ishmael doesn't feel wanted. He's probably looking at that kid strutting around with a smug little grin on his face, slobber everywhere. And Ishmael gets seen just doing something to him. I don't know what it was. And Sarah really does have enough. She flips out. She says, that kid is getting none of our money, none of our anything. I want you to tell that woman to take that kid and to get out of my house. I want them gone. I want them gone. So Sarah's right back where she was when we caught up to her. And God says to Abraham, don't be distressed about the boy and about your slave. Whatever, Abraham, whatever Sarah says to you, listen to her because your offspring will be traced through Isaac and I will also make a nation of the slave's son because he is your offspring. So God makes a point to Abraham. He ensures that he'll provide for Hagar and Ishmael. And he's redeeming a bad situation that had just become untenable. So early in the morning, Abraham got up, took bread and a water skin, put them on Hagar's shoulders and sent her and the boy away. 
didn't put the water skin and the bread on a donkey's back, didn't give them a donkey, no horse, no, just here's a backpack. Lord be with you. Can you imagine that pressure on that mom's shoulders walking away with her child just into the desert, looking at everything you've been a part of for all these years, just getting smaller and smaller. Nobody's calling for you. Nobody's saying, hey, we didn't mean it. Come back. It's just go. And it says that she wanders in the wilderness. We don't know how long it was. The water's gone, probably dehydrated, chapped lips, heat exhaustion, headache. And she gets to the point, she leaves the boy under the bushes and went and sat at a distance about a bow shot away for she said, I can't bear to watch him die. And she sits at a distance and weeps loudly. We just make a plain observation right here. No mother should have to carry the burden of providing and parenting alone. Remember, this is God working in a situation that he would not have wanted. But no mother should have to carry that burden alone. So we can both celebrate God's provision from what he's about to do, and we can also make an observation like, man, this is not ideal. It's not the way it was, it's not the way it was meant to be. Part of the blessing for a mother should be the joy of depending on a husband to do his part. To do his part. To keep his promises. To stick around. Part of the blessing of being a child should be the joy of having a dad that's engaged, that doesn't just leave it all on the mother's shoulders. She'll take care of home, I'll bring home the bacon, and then I will watch football. Nope, nope. You're a player too, dad. You've gotta be. There are so many things that don't have to be an issue when both parents will commit to raising the child that their sexual relationship brought into the world. So I'm just saying, dad, on Mother's Day, You're called to. Do your part. You think Hagar's dealing with some pretty severe mom guilt right now? What have I done? I can't even provide for my kid. Look at everything Sarah has, and now look what I'm left with. I'm messing up my kids. I'm messing him up. He's not going to have a good life because of me. And here's what we find out. God sees your children too. God doesn't just see you. God sees your children too. So keep on going and keep on loving. Keep on going and keep on loving. God heard the boy crying. And the angel of God called to Hagar from heaven and said to her, what's wrong, Hagar? Don't be afraid, for God has heard the boy crying from the place where he is. Remember earlier, Hagar said, has God really seen me in this place? Yes, he has. And guess what? God heard her son crying in the place where he was. God sees your kids too. Get up, help the boy up, grasp his hand, for I will make him a great nation. Keep going, mom. God's not done with you. Keep going, mom. Take your kids' hands. Don't let go of them. When they won't hold your hand, you pray for them. You keep loving them. I don't care what their age is. If you're a great-grandmother or a mom, don't give up on them. Your part is to keep loving, to keep praying, and to not believe that God is done with him. Because until they begin eternity, he's not done with them. God opened her eyes, and she saw a well. Isn't that interesting? He could have just filled the pouch of water, and he gives her a well. 
So she went and filled the water skin and gave the boy a drink. God was with the boy and he grew. He settled in the wilderness and became an archer. He settled in the wilderness of Paran and his mother got a wife for him from the land of Egypt. God was with the boy and he grew. Can you imagine the conversations they had over the years? Son, life, life has been hard. It's, it's not right what your father did. Life has been hard. But God's been with us, hadn't he? Do you know that God loves you? Do you see his hand on your life? I wish he was here too, but do you see? You see God's goodness? Our kids need to know that God is with them. And it's a parent's job to help make that clear, to affirm that, to say it. Here's the truth. We're talking about this last night. Some of our friends are here today and we're talking last night. It's amazing that any child makes it to adulthood. I'm not even saying most children. I'm saying any child makes it to adulthood. We're swapping stories last night of a, a little one that swallowed a battery and then they had to stay in the hospital and wait to pass. Like, is this what's gonna happen here? I mean, it's just amazing that any of us make it. It's only by the grace of God that any of us are still breathing, right? We need God's grace. Moms, you need God's grace. And I'm just telling you, God will give you grace. You will never, mom, last point, you will never. I wanna invite the band right now. You'll never have all the answers, but you can trust the one who does. You'll never have all the answers. You know who else won't have all the answers? Your husband. Who else won't have all the answers? Your favorite podcaster your influencer, your author, whoever it is, you, you will never have all of the answers, but you can trust the one who does. And do you see his love for you? So this is, God is, is revealed up through Old Testament times working with people. And you see this God's commitment and his increase in love season after season, century after century, and when the fullness of time comes, the eternal father gave his child for you because he knew not only do you not have it all together, you are as sinful as they come, mom. And so are those kids and that guy sitting next to you. And you need God's grace and, and the depth of, of pain was deep. And God looks at that and says, I see her. I see her for who she is. I see everything that she would hide if she could. And then he said this, I've got to have her. I want her. I want her to be my daughter. I want her to realize who she is. And so he gave his son for you, for you. Lord, we love you this morning. We do. We thank you for your love and your devotion as a heavenly father. God, we see, our, um, we see our great opportunity as, as parents and we also see our great lack as parents. God, my prayer today is just very targeted towards every, every mom, every mother figure in this place. You will affirm your great love for them. Your great love for them. With every 